and you're like, dude, I believe in you. If you were just going to start a new startup, I'm in for 25K. Like, no questions asked. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. All right, everyone, we have a new episode. This one is pretty good. So we talked about a couple things. The first thing we talked about was Oasis, which is this interesting new product that kind of, uh, it's like a deep fake, but for Zoom. That's not the best description, but check it out. Sean says it's one of the biggest ideas that he's ever heard of. Second, we break down the sweepstake business. If you want to make a company that makes like half a million dollars a month in profit, and you want to have it start and launch inside the next probably two years, like, uh, or sorry, two months, and then grow in the next one, two, three years to half a million dollars a month in profit, I think this is an interesting idea. We break it down. And then we talk about Sean's prediction. So he predicts what's going to be the next Apple, Facebook, Amazon, 7-Eleven, Netflix, Pornhub, Domino's. Those are all separate predictions. Not one company can do all of them, but that would be cool. And uh, it's a great episode. Give it a listen. And by the way, have you clicked subscribe yet on new, on YouTube? And have you clicked subscribe on iTunes? A lot of people say like, hey, you guys are awesome. Thank you for doing all that work. Then pay me back. I, I don't want money though. All I, all I want is for you to hit subscribe on iTunes, hit follow on Spotify, hit subscribe on our YouTube page. That's all I want. And we're going to keep doing it for free. All right, let's get to the episode. Um, what's going on? I am... Uh, look at me now. I'm in, my, I'm in a chick palace here. What's a chick palace? <laughs> I mean, like, I went from like a manly industrial look to like everything is glitter and gold now. Yeah, that doesn't look like your style. That doesn't even yeah. look like it's your wife's style. Yeah, I don't know whose style this is, but that's the style we got today. Have you ever thought about creating a uh, brick and mortar business, by the way? Oh, wait, actually, first, two things. Two things before we get anything. Everybody, like and subscribe and tell a friend. Tell five friends. <laughs> yes, but um, Wednesday. Do we have a guest on Wednesday? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, yes, we do. do. Oh, okay. Damn it. Okay, not this Wednesday. On Monday after that, let's do the investor episode. We have another oh, yes. guest. We have a guest on Monday too? Yeah, Dan Held is coming in on Monday. All right, so we have two guests. Okay, then we're going to do it. Fine, then forget that. Second thing. I have this episode coming out. You know how I've been doing these Monday things? Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm splicing together clips. I'm going to splice together like five to 10, and I'm going to talk in between each one. And each clip is going to be from a YouTube video or from a podcast. And the topic is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with time right now because I'm quite impatient and I'm trying to work on it. And the topic is on actually patience and how like great things that I admire actually took much longer than I thought. Right. And so, um, you, so what, what is, okay, so if I listen to this episode, what am I going to get? I'm going to get Sam talking about time. Yeah. And you got to turn your mic down a little bit. Okay. Um, no. So what you're going to get is you're going to get me. Um, so you, you, all right. So uh, Travis Kalanick, before he started Uber, he had this thing called Red Swoosh. You know what that was? Uh, I don't even know what it did, but I've heard the story. I don't even know what it did either, to be honest. It was a peer-to-peer. It was like, it's not relevant anymore because... It was like, like a, Napster, but It better. was like Napster, but different. And he sold it for like $20 million, but it took like eight years or something like that, like crazy. And I, and I found that I have this amazing YouTube um, video of him giving a talk, like a 40-minute talk, but like the first like three minutes is about Red Swoosh. And it's like, he explains how hard it was. I'm like, oh my God, that took forever. And I've got like eight or nine of those clips that I've saved of people I admire saying they're going to take a long, it's taking a long time and I'm putting them together. So it's a, however long the podcast is going to be with like two to three minute clips with me, like making you, giving you the background of each story. Right. Okay. Uh, I like it. 
So, so we'll see if it's like, interesting. So have you ever you seen ha- um, the Joe Rogan thing where it's like Joe Joe Rogan watches the internet or something like that? Have you ever seen these YouTube videos? No, but is it good? Yeah, they're funny. They're, it's like a, it's a compilation of basically Joe watching YouTube videos and just reacting to them. Uh, but the, all the videos are really interesting, kind of like random ass stuff from the internet. And then his reaction is like good. He's not trying to be like super over the top. It's like his genuine genuine reaction to it. So I kind of see this as like the business version of that, where you're taking one theme and then you see what a bunch of different p- interesting people have said about that theme and it's sort of like sam surfs the internet where you're gonna like kind of go into and out of each of those clips and just be talking we'll see if it's any good so in in over the next couple of days if you have an example of a talk that you've listened to or a story that amazed you send it to me okay sounds good hey let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor there's no secret formula for customer service but there is an all-new service hub from HubSpot, and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps' time with an AI-powered help desk, so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secret's out. Service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. By the way, you said something about Travis Kalanick. Have you ever read this blog post he did called, like, um, how to do South by Southwest on a budget or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So it, he had this old or blog. Or CES maybe. Which I, which I don't even think you could find in a blog anymore. And he basically wrote like, uh, you know, if you show up at this time, you can get free this. Uh, you can get a discounted cab if you do X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like being pretty scrappy and like saving, like pitching pennies, right? Yeah, exactly. It was. I think it was like CES or South by Southwest. And he was basically like, yo, if you're going to these things, here's how to do it. Like, here's how to ball out on a budget. And then he had all those little like tips and tricks of like, you don't need to get VIP pass to go here. Just wear like an orange vest and then you can yeah, walk yeah, through, yeah. Or, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. He was like scrappy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just listening to this podcast, uh, Theo Vaughn, the Theo Vaughn podcast. I don't even know what it's called. And he Theo had Vaughn. the founder of Raising Canes on there. Do you know what Raising Canes is? Yeah, dude, I've met the founder of Raising Cane's at a random, I was at a table, I was eating lunch one day, and the founder was was right next to me. And you just said, uh, what's up? Or, I mean, yeah, I was like, hey, well, you know, this is kind of like this old, it was a, it was a restaurant conference, so it wasn't like super random. Uh, but there's just kind of this nice, old, nice, you know, like slightly older Southern guy. Uh, I think he was the owner of the, the CEO. Um, well, there's two say. guys who started it. One of them is about 50, but he looks quite young. Maybe it's the other guy. And I was listening to this podcast with him. He's Southern, lives in Louisiana, and they have hundreds of restaurants at this point and north of a billion dollars in sales. And he, the way that he makes makes it sound, he's like, I just loved running the fryer. I loved being at the place. It sounds <laughs> so much, and the grass is always greener. It sounds so much more fun than sitting behind a computer. Have you ever thought about doing- In fr- what way? Well, how is that more fun? Sitting? Have you ever been at a restaurant back, you know, like the back back kitchen of a, of a restaurant next to the yeah, fire? I mean, I was- I was Hot like, and shitty. <laughs> I was a bus boy. I was a bus boy, and I, I, I was never old enough to be a waiter. But yeah, I, I worked in the service industry. It, it is fun, just like being in the being in <laughs> being in the action. It just sounded cool. So would you ever do a brick and mortar or like a? I did, uh, and I, I regretted every second of it. Um, you know the the part that is fun actually is the camaraderie because that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the kitchen crew, this the bond is different than like just your normal friends or like your coworkers. Like if you go to your office today and you have a coworker who sits, you know, three desks down and both of you have your headphones on and you're typing on your Mac, you know, you have a, and you go to, you go to get your free lunch together at the cafeteria. Like this is the tech industry, right? It's like totally different vibe than 
you're in the restaurant. It's Friday night. The, the restaurant's rocking. You're banging out orders as fast as you can. And you, um, you know, it's 1 a.m. when you're finally done cleaning up. And it's like, all right, now let's go eat. And then, you know, you go to some restaurant and, and the restaurant's closed, but they let you in because you're from the restaurant industry and you get to go eat with them. Like, that's just a different level of camaraderie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's exciting. It's fun. You're in the thick of it. I love it. Yeah, but I would never want to do it again. Uh, it's like, it's like, you know, when people are like, yeah, going to the army was one of my most, uh, you know, formidable times. It's like, would you ever want to go back again through that boot camp through Hell Week again? Like, Just so you no, know, I I read this book called Tribe. And it's all because I was curious about what type of neighborhood would be best to live in. And like, what makes what makes you happy when finding a place to right. live? And it's a it's, you know, I don't know this. I've never been in the military. But so I know it from like an academic story point of view <laughs> that when you're in the military, a lot of guys, a, a huge amount of the guys, when they get out, they miss it like crazy because they're like, all right, it was hard. I was risking my life. Yeah, that's true. But I felt like I had a crew of guys. We were always doing something. I had a mission and I, and I, and life is so lame and boring without it. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. But um, also there's a lot of people when you talk to them, it's like, man, that was the best and hardest time in my life. Would I go back and do it again? No, I don't want to do it again, but it was an amazing time at that time. And uh, you know, it's sort of like when astronauts come back from space is what you're describing. It's like, yeah, they're kind of like, well, now what? I, you know, I freaking went to the moon. That was my life mission, and now every day seems quite boring and like, you know, uneventful and uh, not not really having a purpose as I did before. Um, but anyways, I guess like brick and mortar. So what you know, what would you want to do if you were doing brick and mortar? I think I could crush a. I think I could I could I could operate a hotel or a restaurant really well. Hospitality. Yeah, I think I could crush that. And I and I, maybe I will want to do that one day. I, but I think I can kill it. I'm looking at buying another house and turning it into a, a rental, because um, I'm do, I already did it with this one, um, and I'm seeing one later today. But I think I could crush it. And what? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, so I was gonna say, what was Theo Vaughn talking about? So Theo Vaughn was just interviewed he just interviewed the, the guy. guy. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm a, I'm more like even with e-commerce, I'm like, ah, this business is great, except for all the physical products, like. You know, right now there's a situation going on where um, I think I forgot what the exact tweet is, but it's sort of like the there's boats or, you know, everyone saw that that one boat got stuck in the canal. Yeah, it's like, you like oh. feeling you're like feeling the, the pain now. Well, it's not really that there's just like another situation where the biggest port in China is backed up and uh, they're just like they just, there was a covid outbreak. And so for a week they were operating at 30 percent capacity. And this is like the biggest throughput, uh, like logistics place in, um, in the world. And so the knock-on effects of that are gonna like last, I don't know, like months basically. And so, basically, what you're seeing now is that boats couldn't get out on time; they were just idling in the water. And uh, Ryan Peterson, who we're gonna have on the pod because he tweeted this out, he goes, "You know, it's crazy. The average, you know, wait time now, or the average number of boats that's waiting is blah blah blah." And I asked him, I go, I tweeted back. I said, what's the cost per day of that boat just sitting idle, right? With all this cargo on, to on top and just sitting in the water, not being unloaded. And then he did the math. He's like, it's about a million dollars a day that the, that the shipping company is losing just by being stuck. And then for all the downstream people, like, you know, if I have my goods on a ship, uh, on a boat that's not here, well, now I'm delayed. Now I'm out of inventory. And because I'm out of inventory, I'm out of sales. And there's just one after another sort of like knock on effects of this. and so. For me, even e-commerce, which is pretty, pretty like internet-y, is uh, like the, the, you know, the only bad part about it is all these physical goods. Like, oh, 
you had a product, but then uh, the wheels are broken or the zippers. Our customers' understanding of that at all, like, like when, I, like, I'm so now I do Amazon, you know, two day delivery, one day delivery, whatever it is. But if something comes like in seven or ten days, I think I'm mostly cool with it, right? Um. Maybe uh, during COVID, people were understanding because it was just like, dude, it's COVID. Like everything is backed up, and if this is not like a mission critical thing, then uh, you know, th- then I understand. But like people's kind of COVID patience wore off, I think. And um, and also, if not everything is backed up, it's just your stuff. Then you look really bad, and you know, business. And even if it's not, even if they understand, like you lose sales, and losing like two weeks of sales. Is like pretty devastating for your month's revenue, which is like, you know, uh, pretty bad for your, your annual revenue when you're operating on like 10, 15% EBITDA. And so, so yeah, uh, by the way, the, the tweet was five and a half percent of the world's container fleet is waiting outside of a port. And then he said, I asked, what is the cost per day to be waiting idle? He goes, one trip, round trip from Asia on, a, on one of these shipping boats is 50 million of profit. So every, every day that they're sitting out, you know, sitting, uh, sitting idle and it's a 30 day trip. And so, you know, so that's about a million dollars per day per ship that's idle. And then I was like, holy shit, these ships make 50 million in profit for a single round trip from Asia. And, uh, and then, you know, people were replying, people who know about the shipping industry, they're like, yeah, it's crazy. Like the top, um, the top 10 shipping companies will make like a hundred billion in profit this year. Um, but like in the last 10 years, they've lost a hundred billion in profit. Like it's, it's a very volatile, volatile, volatile space based on, you know, volumes and costs and all this stuff. Like right now a shipping container is twice as much as it was last year, just because supply demand is so out of whack. That's crazy. I'm excited to have him on and and we'll we'll nerd out with him about that. So you want to talk about some ideas. We have a bunch here. We, where where do you want to start? So some of the, some of the ideas that I I wrote down, so I wrote down two, I think I said I have, or I have three. One is Oasis, which I think is one of the biggest startup ideas, most most interesting startup ideas out there. Uh, Nugs, which is in the fake chicken nugget market, and I have some thoughts around that. And then I have a prediction section where I'm going to predict what the next Facebook, Amazon, Google, and Netflix will look like. And so uh, those are my. Th- uh, actually, I have another one, but maybe we'll save that one for the next pod. So let's those are go, my three um, we could do today. Let's do Oasis car per, uh, uh, Oasis giveaway business Nugs and predictions. All right, sounds good. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. That I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So Oasis. So you know what this is, but I think most, almost everybody, 99% of people listening to this have no idea what this is. So yep. let me explain the, the concept. I, um, or I'll, I'll tell the story of how I, I bumped into this guy. I was on Twitter and I saw this guy, Matt, and he was teasing kind of like you know people do this on twitter where they have like my stealth thing is kind of coming or they post a screenshot or like a gif it's kind of ambiguous but it looks interesting it looks provocative or they're just retweeting people i think this is what i saw he retweeted our mutual friend siki who was like dude just got an oasis demo mind blown this is the future and so he retweeted that and i'm like okay 
hook, line, and sinker. Like, tell me about, like, how do I get that demo? I also would like my mind blown. And he's like, all right, yeah, hop into Zoom. So I hopped into a Zoom and he showed me something that was honestly pretty mind blowing. And what it was, was he was like, okay, so I'm talking to you on Zoom right now. Here's my face. And, um, but you know, the problem with Zoom is that you always got to look good uh, and people get, you know, people get, um, nervous about that. And so, you know, over 60% of people don't actually turn their camera on in, in North America because they're self-conscious of how they look. And um, that kind of sucks. And now we're video calling without the video, right? And he's like, so what if instead you could have a representation of you that wasn't like cartoony? It's not like an emoji or an animoji or whatever the Apple thing is. It literally looks like you. And we'll show a screenshot of this um, on the screen. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com slash hustlecon. Um, you'll see the video of this. It's kind of amazing. So the video, the gift that I want to show is it says, never worry about how you look on camera again. And it's a video of the founder, Matt. He's in the shower holding up his phone. And on the left side is what he actually looks like. It's a dude in the shower. Um, and on the right side is like the digital representation of it. It's him, but he doesn't look like he's in the shower. It looks like him, like in front of a perfect backdrop, just talking. And it's tracking his mouth perfectly. And um, so I thought, oh, this is kind of amazing. Like if I could be on video without actually having to be on video, if I could kind of like a filter, but if I could just automatically have the best looking version of myself on camera, God, that would save me a lot of time and energy and thought around how I look. And, and he's like, it gets even better. So not only does it let you do that, you could also show up as a different person. So say you're, you know, um, a minority, you don't want to be discriminated against. You could, sh you could show yourself as a, you know, a tall white male. And nobody would ever know what you actually look like. So this empowers like working pseudonymously, which is something we've talked about. The last thing is, is like, here's the best bit. This works on like the worst connections, uh, worst connection phones in the world. I said, well, how do you do that? This seems like pretty high powered. He goes, there's no video being transferred. I said, what? He goes, yeah, it's like a video game. The screen on my side is tracking my face, every pixel of my face, how my lips are moving, my nose, my eyes, et cetera. And then instead of sending my video across the internet, it just sends how those pixels are moving like a video game. And so then on the other side, it recreates the video just using those pixel coordinates. And so the idea here is that even on really shitty internet, low bandwidth scenarios, you could have awesome looking video and without you having to like, you could be rolling out of bed and you look like a million bucks. So what do you think of this idea? I think it's pretty big. I was pitched this as well. And I passed. Did you did you pass or no? Uh, I didn't even really get. To, I I'm, I have a call scheduled with the guy. I just saw the demo. This was months and months ago. It wasn't like in an investable spot at that moment, um, or like they weren't raising or something like that. But I'm looking at it now. You know, it it does have a high valuation, and you know, it's pretty. It's got a very high valuation. I, I don't. Yes. Are, are we? Is are, I don't. Let's not say. say. Yeah, okay. Let's not say. Um, it's got a high valuation. Um, and it's like six guys working on this. It's pretty wild. And I, so here's what, what, here's what I think about this. I, I think the way, the way that it's set up now is not the way that it could be a huge thing. Okay. Tell and me what you mean. So a lot of times when I either invest in stuff or I want to get involved in a project, whether I'm starting it or not, I'm very comfortable taking the leap of faith of saying, this is just how I'm going to start. And I'm very comfortable in saying one of two things. I know how it's going to end or rather like, I want to create a massive media company that covers this, this, and this. I'm going to start with an email. I don't know the middle ground, but I'm I'm pretty confident I'm going to figure it out. Or right. 
I'm also okay with not even having an ending point of like, I created something cool. It feels right. powerful we'll and strong. Goes. Yeah. I think I could figure it out where to go. And this business, I think, was that second one. So I saw the technology. I played with it. I got the demo. And he basically was talking to me. And I, I got it. I was like, oh, okay. So like to me, this is like pretty like unlimited, unlimited on what the options are. And so the bet I'm having to make is, is this founder great? And can they figure out exactly how to deploy this technology? And I wasn't sure if I, I wasn't sure if it was worth trying to figure it out if they could get it. Yeah, well, also the price matters, right? So like that's why I'm saying pay, like, you don't want to pay a I figured it out price when they haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> right? You, you want to pay the oh this is cool and promising price, which should be like ten times lower. Uh, but I get why this has a high valuation because to me, you see something like Zoom. Zoom is a hundred billion dollar company. Zoom is letting you call, um, you know, do do video calls with people all, the, all around the internet for business purposes. I think that the future Zoom, like the leapfrog of Zoom, is not Zoom with slightly better features or the recording is better, the audio quality is a little better. It's this is a video call where I don't actually have to be on video, but it looks like I'm on video. Everybody looks great. Everybody's presenting their professional self, regardless of how they actually look at home. And secondly, this works on an extremely low bandwidth shitty internet uh, circumstances because it's not even transferring video. It's just transferring pixel coordinates. That to me is like a leapfrog. And that means what does, if Zoom's a hundred billion today and somebody built what I believe if you did this, it would be a better Zoom. Um, Obviously it doesn't have the network effects, doesn't have the brand, doesn't have many things that you need to do to get it big, but it has the magic trick. And I think when you have a magic trick, you can get a lot of users pretty quickly. And the magic trick here is pretty impressive. We were both pretty impressed with the magic. But it sounds like we're saying the same thing. But I guess my difference would be, I think I know what the endpoint looks like. The endpoint looks like this is how business calls are done. You have your Dude, that's not that big. Is that that big of a market? I don't, I I disagree with you. I don't know, man. If I was this, I'd be using this for movies or for... You know, I actually don't even know what I would use it for, but I can't imagine business calls would be the number one thing. Dude, Zoom is massive. Zoom is oh, like humongous, right? $100 billion company. How much bigger do you want, right? One trillion? Okay, you can get to a trillion, but... But this, you're not making Zoom. This is a plug-in for Zoom. I think you could make the new Zoom using this, right? Why would I use Zoom when instead I could use this where I always look like a million bucks and already it's better than Zoom. And the second thing is it works better on any internet conditions because it's not transferring heavy video across the wire. Regardless, I'm into this. I'm into this. I just was unwilling to bet my own money at that high of a valuation. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Uh, the, uh, the reason this stuck out to me was I was like, I had this doc I've talked about before, which is called the biggest idea in my head right now. Which is basically, if I was totally free, I could drop everything I was doing and I was going to work on the biggest startup idea in my head at any given month. What is it? And I just keep track month by month. And sometimes it's the same for two months straight, three months straight. And sometimes it changes. This became the biggest startup idea in my head um, because I think it's basically taking novel technology, going after a really big market. And it's doing it in a way that is like complete, like the incumbents would have to sort of re-architect their whole shit to be able to do this, I think. I don't think you could just make a plugin to do this. And so, um, so anyways, I thought this was like one of the bigger ideas. So I just wanted to bring it up. I don't really I have any it. more besides that. All right, let's move on then. You want to talk about something that's way less of a big idea, but a surefire way to make a lot of money? Yes. Okay, let's talk about the giveaway business, also known <laughs> as the sweepstake business. Right. And I'm interested in this business because, well, because I've used it a lot. As, because it uh, seems easy and awesome and you've done it you've dabbled 
Yeah. So with the hustle, one way that we we grew we grew in a bunch of ways, but we did two things that are related to this. The first, we would pay companies, or no, I'll start with this one. The first, we would give stuff away. We would give a Tesla away. We would give a 3D printer away, which we're giving now. And if you share an email or you get other people to join, like, and they use your unique URL, you get more entries. And if a car costs us $30,000 and we acquire 30,000 emails, that's a dollar to acquire an email. That's a really good deal for us because we make, let's say, $10 off every email. No brainer. The second thing that we did is we paid some of these companies. And I want to explain how they work. So do me a favor and go to bold.org. Can you do that right now? Okay, I'm on it. What's so it, it says say? Fighting student debt. That's it. Yeah, and how does it say it does it? Um, let's see. So scholarships, philanthropy. I don't know. It just looks like donations or something like right. So what you do, and because the, they make it all click um scholarships for uh, nursing or something. Okay, uh, scholarship for nursing students. I'm there. Five okay. great scholarships for future nurses. Great. All right. So bold.org, what they do is they go and they get they they either create scholarships or they find people uh, who uh, have scholarships and they aggregate it into one area into one platform. Okay. Not that hard to do in its in itself. Then what they do is they go get lo- loads of people to sign up for the scholarship. So they advertise to nurses and nursing Facebook groups on Google, and they get people to sign up and and enter all this information. Um, and here's how they make money. When you are a nurse, or let's say you're uh, applying to get your MBA, if you have tens of thousands of people apply to get their MB, uh, an MBA scholarship, that's a pretty co- pretty high qualified lead list, right? Right. Same with nurses, same with, I mean, pretty much any of these niches. And what they do is as you sign up for this thing, at the end, they go, also, do you want to opt in for this, this, or this, or this? And companies like The Hustle, I would pay them money. I think at one point we were paying them maybe 50 to 100 grand a month. Wow. And that's how many leads that they were getting us. That's amazing. So, so basically they go, they pay for people. So they, they go and they spend money to get people to apply for a scholarship and people are like, oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. And then when they're applying, they're basically like, hey, would you like to opt in? And why does the person want to opt in? Or is it like, hey, do this and you get some increased odds of the scholarship or how does it work? I, th- I believe both. Yeah. So like they just like show offers that are interesting. And also uh, I believe that it's just like it's, you're automatically in unless you opt out in the flow. And you get more likelihood if you opt into stuff. Dude, how did you even find this? How did you think, oh, you know what? I'm going to go, like when, you, when you, you were trying to make the connection between sweepstakes and giveaways and you were like, go to bold.org, this like nonprofit looking, you know, scholarships for nurses in Africa. I was like, what does this have to do with, how did you even figure out this is how you grow an email so, list? So there's a bunch of ways that I know how to do this. <laughs> the first, there's this guy named Dennis Gross, who we're going to have to get on this podcast. So Dennis started WiseGeek, which you and I are both probably too young to have used it, but it was like a web yeah, 1.0 thing. It made a lot of money. And then he started loads of other things, including uh, investing into lots of different startups like Thumbtack. But then he started bestreviews.com. Do you remember that? Or do you know what bestreviews.com is? No. It sold for $160 million to Tribune uh, like three or four years ago. So this guy named Dennis, he's very, very wealthy. And he started loads of companies and he stays way below the radar. And he created this thing called Mechanism, which is like an idea lab, except he's like an SEO guru and like a lead gen guru. So he's launched all these companies. And the co-founder of Mechanism is Brendan, who's the founder of TopTal. And I'm friends with both of those guys. And I saw what they're getting into. And he pitched me and sold me on using bold.org. And it was pretty good. Random. So that's first. I can't find this guy. Dennis Gross is that his name? Go to bold.org/slash about. 
he spells his name d-i-n-i-s space g-r-o-s-z gotcha okay so he's oh he actually did bold okay so that's how you found out so here's where here's here's where i'm getting at here so this got me interested into giveaways actually you have to call them sweepstakes there's a lot of legality around this and so what <laughs> What I learned was you, and we, when we did sweepstakes, we would have to call it sweepstakes. You have to have rules that are approved by your lawyer. And I got and kind of like, interested. It's like uh, you could buy entries, or if you just mail us this form, we have to let you apply. We have to give you the equivalent entry, right? So it's like there's all types just, of technicalities. You yeah. can't make it pay to play, otherwise it's like a lottery or. And you like can't. Uh, yeah, it can't be a lottery. You can't. Now I don't. Uh, this is just an example. I don't know if this is actually the rule. You can't use the word like free. Or you can't do, like, there's a bunch of, like, technicality stuff that you have to follow. But I got in, uh, very interested in giveaways. And so I did some research on a bunch of them. So there's loads of giveaway businesses. The, there's uh, three ways that I've seen it work. The first, you buy entries. So I've seen, um, like, buythishouse.com, I believe it's right. called, or, or buy, buysanfranciscohome.com, where a company buys a San Francisco house. Then they put ads all over the subway. They put ads all over the billboard and they sell entries for $100 and it's a raffle. The second way that this business works is you do what Bold did, did, which is the audience is the product and you sell their information. Uh, You know those cars that are at malls? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So what happens at those businesses is they they pay the mall. uh, A marketing part company pays the mall a rental fee to use that real estate. Space, right? Yeah. Then... Loads of people enter their information to join and buy that car. They look at the, all the leads and names now that they have, the birth date, things like that. And they categorize them and then they sell them to different companies. And those companies cold call those people to sell them X, Y, and Z. Right. Okay. So the third way that you make money off of this is you can sell merch. And when you sell merch, you get X more entries into the giveaway. And I found this one company that's doing car giveaways. And I got a hold of these financials. And if you're listening to this, actually, there's a, the takeaway here is that this, about this business. But the, all, the second takeaway is sign up for brokerage website that, that sell. That amazing sells, way to learn. Yeah, an amazing way to learn. You go to Quiet Light Brokerage. You go to... What's the name of this one? Yeah, you go to Flippa, Empire Flippers, you Quiet Light Brokerage. You can go to like one of many, uh, all, you know, FE International or whatever. There's a whole bunch of places where you can go. And you can basically look at internet businesses. The beauty of it is... If you want to, if you're on the outside, you're like, dude, I've never actually been inside of a successful business. I've never run one, never owned one, never sold one. You can go on here and you, it's a great way to get business ideas because you're just going to see a bunch of business you never thought about. Like, oh, these guys sell, you know, <coughs> you know, it's a D2C diabetes brand. They sell, you know, products for diabetic, diabetic patients and they're doing 8 million a year of revenue, 4 million of profit. And here's their top three SKUs and here's how they grow. And here's their P&L because they're trying to sell their business. So they had to package everything up and make it a book that you can go look at as a buyer. The beauty of the online ones is they don't know if you're a serious buyer or if you're a 21-year-old kid just trying to learn about business. And so I've looked through probably hundreds of these at this point um, just to learn, right? So that's like how I feed my business brain is is one of these one of the tactics is to go look at businesses that are for sale and read their books. So I was interested in sweepstakes and it just so happened I saw one for sale and I went and found this one. So here's a sweepstakes. And what they do, if you Google car sweepstakes, I'm not going to say the name of the company. Very likely, they come up on the top 10 of Google on the front right. page. So I am just off that, I imagine they're one of the big dogs. Did you uh, Google car I'm giveaway? I'm doing it right now. Yep, I see them. Okay. Um, and 
their last 12 months revenue was $26,700,000. The last 12 months of net profit was $5.8 million. And in this document that I have, there's like a Q&A where someone's just asking them questions and they explain how it works. And what it works is they have a warehouse and they have like 30 employees, all warehouse workers mostly. And you they run ads on, let's just say, um, we'll say this is for a car one. They run ads and sponsored videos on YouTube, car cha- car YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. And before the guy shows off his car, he goes, by the way, this one is sponsored by blank company. They're giving away a car. If you want the car, click the link below. You go to that link and it says, great, you're going to uh, be entered to win this car. By the way, if you buy this sweatshirt for $40, you're going to get 10 more entries. If you right. buy this hat, you're going to get X amount more entries. And so they make a profit off of it's just an Merch. e-commerce store, basically. Right. <laughs> and it's amazing. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's actually sketchy. I think that it's a, you're kind of preying on vulnerable people a bit. Yeah. And they said that in this document that the person one time, or first of all, the repeat customer rate is 50%. So 50% <laughs> of people who sign up for one eventually do another. And they have guys that will spend $8,000 on merch in order to get more entries into these cars. Wow. Yeah, it's... it's this is definitely one of those where it's pretty polarizing. You know, some people will say this is, this is shady. This is messed up. Um, I find it fascinating that a business like this even exists. Twenty-five million a year in revenue, five million a year in profit, and uh, very, very simple business. You know what I mean? Like, and it, 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 this is what I call like you got to know how internet plumbing works. They're like, oh, okay, I can plug a pipe into YouTube, and uh, that gives me a lead, and then with the lead, I plug that into an e-commerce store, and that gives me this, and then I'll plug into this like sweepstakes law that will allow me to do this legally. And uh, I've seen the same thing, by the way, in the gun space. So people do this for guns. Giveaway? Um, giveaway for guns. Um, there's a lot of people who are like really passionate about guns and ammunition and things like that. There's also ones that are, so car is probably the biggest one. There's houses. When I was going to sell my house, it was right when COVID hit and it was like the worst time to sell a house. And so I looked into, could I raffle my house off? And actually, could I get a better price raffling my house? And then there's all these rules against it. Like you got to like, basically like churches can do it and not a lot of other people are allowed to do this. Um, so yeah, so basically there's there's a lot of these that you wouldn't otherwise expect. And uh, yeah, I, I've, seen, I've seen somebody doing this with cars at a pretty big scale. And I'm looking at this company now and just- but I should from- say, by the way, I have a friend or a friend of a friend who's doing this with cars. And like, there was three months where they were just like, oh my God, this is printing money. This is the best business in the world. And then we checked back in six months later and they're like, this is such a hard business, dude. It's like, you know, and so I think that it's not, um, it's like many things where it's not as easy as it sounds. And there's also like a thin line of like, at some point you, you can fatigue out your customers, right? You can fatigue out the buyers who get disillusioned that they're not going to win or you, um, the ad costs go up and then the business all of a sudden went from working beautifully to kind of upside down. Yeah. Okay. So this business, they're doing five, sorry, six million nearly in profit, and they're only selling. The asking price was twenty four million dollars. Right. So they're they're asking five times profit, one times revenue, and there's a reason for that. Five times profit to me is actually quite good for this kind of business. I would think they would want to get way less. And it looks like the only true asset they have is the website, which anyone could copy probably with ten grand, maybe forty grand. Then they have a 300,000 person list. email list, and then they have 300,000 SMS subscribers. Which is baller. <laughs> so th- is that good? 
Yeah, that's huge. And I bet that works extremely well for this. Because if it's like, basically, hey, look at this amazing car. Do you want it? And you're just sitting there on the bus. It's like, well, I'm not doing anything else right now. Click. And you go enter the enter the giveaway each time. I could see how that hook would work because SMS, you know, SMS gets like an 80% open rate and email gets like an 8% open rate. So it's like, it's, you know, 10 times better. So I, similar to your thing, I don't really have any ideas for this because I think they're kind of limitless. But I thought it was interesting and I wanted to bring it up because I think this is like a little bit on like the dark side of the internet that not a lot of people know about. And I thought it was crazy fascinating. I don't think it has to be like bold.org, incredibly ethical, uh, sh- straightforward. There's no tricks. I know the guys who run it. It's I, I'm a customer of theirs. It's it's legit. how was the like kind of okay? So somebody's there for bold. They're trying to get a scholarship, right? They're not thinking about the hustle. Maybe hustles like auto checked in something, which is like share share your information with our marketing partners who make this possible. You know, and you're like, great. Now you got their email on on a list. Did you see that they performed? Yeah, they well they were okay. Was, yeah, was yeah, yeah. So okay, so let's do the math here. So let's just say that, and all these numbers are uh, I'm making up hypothetical. Let's just say that I acquire a user from Facebook for two thousand or two two dollars, and they have a fifty percent open rate. That means yep. I'm spending four times four, to- four dollars for a fifty percent open rate. Or sorry, for a four bucks uh, for a reader. Yeah, for a reader, and and let's just say that like the way that we used to track it is that we we knew right away if they read the first five, the likelihood that they're going to stay for eighteen months or whatever it is was very high. Yeah. Okay, so I paid four dollars for that fifty percent person. We'll call it. A, we call it, we have a gold, silver, bronze. That's like we we in, internally. So a gold user just costs us four dollars. Right. Okay. Now let's just say that on bold.org, I've got to get ten people, but I get those ten people for a dollar, and one of them becomes a gold reader. So I just paid one dollar for a gold reader. So you get a lot of volume, but you make up for it because it's cheap. Right. And um, and you basically just set your rate with them, or they they just have a rate, and you have to figure it out. Like, do you say so, I'll pay this much per lead, or how does it work? A lot of these companies, the smart guys, they don't have a set rate. They give you a ballpark, and then they but they first want to hear what's it worth to you. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and then they try to sell you. Uh, they're like, oh, okay, these are worth this to you. Okay, we're gonna set it at this budget. And then what you do is you go out and do it for a month, and then you renegotiate. Yeah, I think this is a fascinating business. I also think that giveaways and sweepstakes are just a useful marketing tool. So even if this is not your business. Oh, it- by the way, I just went I just went through it. I just went through the funnel while we were talking. Yeah. So by getting halfway through the scholarship flow, I earned 50 bold points. And then you can get five more bold points for signing up for this. You can get 10 more bold points for doing this. And how big is this bold thing? Bold.org? Like the yeah. the like how big is this business? Well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, they never like told pretty, me the revenue. Seems I think like a pretty baller business. I imagine it's very, very, very... Pro- I, if you told me it made half a million to a million a month in profit, I wouldn't be surprised. This is like somebody who has a black belt in the internet. They're like, ah, here's what we'll That's do. That's this guy, Dennis, man. This guy, Dennis. Feel good, like feel good story on the front end. Dope, lucrative business model on the back end, right? I love, I love this. This is clear. This is an internet black belt. Yeah. It's it's amazing. This is a it's an amazing thing, and I wanted to. I just had to bring this up because this is one thing. Like this doesn't sound sexy, right? Um, this doesn't sound like like oh, I I want to do this when I get older. But it just makes loads and loads of money. Another one is Omaze. O M A Z E. Have you heard of that? Yeah, that's so like what, a, it's like a platform to do raffles and whatnot, right? Yes, but they act like it's a charity thing. So it's like. <laughs> like Snoop Dogg's going to give away a car and all the money or like some of the money goes to charity or something like that. 
Uh, in reality, Omez gets their cut in the same way that I've just outlined the three business models. Yeah, uh, that's fascinating. I feel like we could do an even deeper dive on this because I feel like you just touched on like 10 interesting things that uh, that we should probably like. I feel like we should do a separate episode, all, like kind of like the deep dive into this sweepstakes giveaways thing. I bet that would go pretty viral, honestly. And I'm going through the 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 bold flow. They ask so many questions like, what's your estimated current annual income? What's right. your dream? Like, what job do you want to have? How much money do you want to make? Uh, how many, how, I mean, they asked so many questions. So <laughs> if I asked it, you for money right now, would you say yes? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, so right. like basically what they're doing is they're getting like crazy amounts of quality. It's all like about enriched, building- enriched lists basically. Yes. And it, this is crazy. Uh, all right. I, I got another one. Have you seen this company Nugs? Yeah. They changed their name though. Yeah, they well, I think they have like a parent company, and then the product is called Nugs. So the product parent company is called Simulate, I think, um, and that's because they're basically simulating real meat. And so Nugs is one; it fits into this category of like alt alt meats or fake meats. So you have Beyond Meat, you have the Impossible Burger, and what Nugs is doing is Nugs what, is chicken. Nuggets. No, by the way, they changed the the product's name is different. What, what's it called now? Oh, really? It's not called. I just Nugs googled anymore? Nugs. I can't even find it. Uh. I think it's still called that. It's Nugs with two Gs. No, dude. So, it's so if, you, if, you go to, if you go to simulate.com, you'll see the uh, the product. And it basically, it says the Tesla of chicken. Um, oh, okay. my God. And so so you can see that the, like, if you go to their, go to simulate.com slash Nugs. So it says the original Nugs, $45 for a box. And there's 50, for, for two boxes. And there's 50 pieces per box. So basically 45 bucks for 100 Nuggets. And they have two flavors. There's original and spicy. <laughs> and, um. And their landing page is like kind of like cheeky. Like the, 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 instead of saying it's good for you, it says kills you slower. <laughs> this is higher great. in protein and lower in fat than animal-based nuggets. Um, you know, you can get this fast. Here you go. Blah, blah, blah. So they started as uh, kind of like a D2C brand type of thing. But I think either during COVID or, beca- or before, right before COVID, they switched to basically just selling through retail. And so I saw them because they raised $50 million recently, like a month ago or something like that. And um, the guy who's behind this is this guy, uh, he's a young guy, Ben Pasternak. And um, this guy's pretty clever. So he's, he was really young. He, I think when he was 18 or 19, he had built this app called Monkey. I don't know if you ever saw it. It, like, it was kind of chat roulette, but for your iPhone. So you'd get on there, you'd it'd randomly match you in a video chat with somebody else, and then you could like skip to, to somebody else. And um, I saw this because I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. Like, I don't think it's going to work, but like, I like the branding. Um, I like that this guy was able to like kind of game the app store charts. So he was climbing the charts, but it, it, you could tell this wasn't a sticky product. Uh, so I, you know, reached out to him, had a, had a chat, seemed super smart guy. And I was How like, long ago was this? Maybe five, six years ago. Wow. Um, so he might be 20, I don't know. He might be 21, 22 now. He was like 17 at the time, something like that. I don't know. Some, somewhere around that range. He was like 17 or 18. And, um, I remember just thinking, wow, this kid's like a superstar or the yeah, future superstar. I, I gave him the highest compliment I could give him, which is I didn't even recruit him. I was like, you know what? You're, you're better than me. You're, you're ready to just do this on your own. Like, don't, don't even waste the time coming and working inside my thing. Like, if we work together, we build one company. If we're apart, you're going to build two companies. And so, but I, I really like the guy. And it reminded me of this question. So I actually don't even really want to talk about the fake chicken nuggets thing, although good market to be in, I would say. Um, the part that I think was interesting is like, I meet a lot of people like this who are like clearly special, gonna do big things. It, it's probably not their first app. Like it's probably not Monkey. 
but it's probably Nugs. It's probably their second or third attempt that's going to hit. And it got me thinking, like, could you basically, as a founder, like buy an option? Could you buy options? Could you buy future contracts on founders? And what does this mean? So most people, when they think of this, they think ISAs. Oh, it's an income share agreement. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying there's a, it's, it's that juicy of a market of founders like this that you could actually just sell the right to invest in my next thing. Yeah. Because, because otherwise, it's hard to even just keep tabs on people. You don't know when they're pivoting. You don't know when they have a new idea. You don't know when they're launching. And you're like, dude, I believe in you. If you were just going to start a new startup, I'm in for 25K. Like, no questions asked. Just put me in the pre-seed round. So it's like the lower valuation of the, of the others. So I think I would have paid 10 grand just for the option to invest in this guy's next company over the next five years, right? So I think, you know, 10 grand, 25 grand. I think Dude, you could this sell is a great to investors. Idea. I think you could sell to investors just the right of first refusal, basically, to invest in my future company. It's not equity. It's not an income share agreement. I don't even have to start another company. But I think, I think real investors would basically have a budget of maybe single digit millions of dollars where they're just placing options. Con- they're just buying option contracts on like high performers they see in, in the tech industry to say, hey, next time you start your thing, I get the first dibs at investing. So this is something I'm, I'm looking this up. So I, I think it was, it was either Jerry Seinfeld or Joe Rogan was talking about the 90s in TV. And I believe they were telling a story about Roseanne um, and how uh, basically they're like, it was the golden age of TV because even though the content nowadays is probably better, but basically if you wrote like an okay script or just a pilot or a screenplay, a, a company would pay you a quarter of a million dollars a year. And the only thing that you had to do was not do it. Like they bought the option and they'd be like, yeah, sometimes we would, they would just buy the option and we would never even do it. So I was just getting like a quarter of a million dollar a year salary for three years. <laughs> and I didn't have to, all, the rules just don't do anything. Right. It's like a retainer or like kind of like a, a it's like a, it's almost like an advance on a book deal in a way. And I don't actually know, I, I know nothing about Hollywood and I don't know if that still exists. I, of course it does. But I think it was more common then when cable company or when cable is crushing. But I think this is actually a fantastic idea. And basically it would be like, I have the option. Let's see, how would it work? Anytime you raise money or anytime you own more than 50% of a entity, I get, I get the, I get first right of refusal. I think it's a really, really great idea. Yeah. Like, I don't know how the math works exactly, but I can sort of see like it turns entrepreneurship into a job um, and it gives you a floor. So let's say, uh, like, I think if I did this, I think if I went and I said, Hey, um, you know, Hey, I left my job at Twitch, by the way, I, as of today, officially am no longer, no longer employed. I'm a free, free man. Um, Congratulations. I wasn't sure when we were going to bring that up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if I was basically like, Hey, I don't know when I'm going to start my next company, but, um, you know, if anybody's interested, here's a place where you could go, here's a website you can go to and you can basically buy a future option on being in the pre-seed round. So let's say, um, I'm selling slots for, I don't know, 15 K a pop. So 15 K for your right to invest in my next round. And I basically sent that to every VC or every seed fund I know. I think I could probably get 10 people to opt into that. They'd say, cool, I'll give you 10K right now. I'll give you 15K right now. Easy. And um, in the next 18 months, I'm going to be thinking about a business. And then when I'm ready, you get the first dips. And you know the round might be like a $3 million round. And you get to invest in this. And so I get 150K floor to go do my search for my next business. And oh my they, gosh, get, they, get, 
they get the guaranteed locked in deal flow. And I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm underpricing it. Maybe it could be more or maybe it's an annual thing. I'm not sure. But like, I'm pretty sure out of a fund, you know, they would allocate a few hundred thousand dollars to placing bets on 25 founders that they're like, yeah, I'll I'll be in your next round. Can you also do this? So uh, did you pay attention to what happened with the NCAA today? No, what happened? So I I wish that you would have because I don't actually know the full details. <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the the Supreme Court basically. Well, I know what happened. So the Supreme here's the headline: the Supreme Court unanim- unanimously sides with former college players in dispute with NCAA about compensation. So basically, uh, I I don't know if there was any firm rules. But basically, um, the door is now open for how NCAA athletes can make money. And when I think of options, I mean, I definitely think uh, athletes are the best. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. So, so basically, the thing here's here's what I'm reading here. It says they unanimously ruled that the current cap on education related benefits, such as scholarships, graduate school, musical instruments, tutoring, violates federal antitrust laws and must be lifted. So that means that this is just for. Uh, there, there was limits on how much you could be compensated for, you know, tuition, room and board, stuff like that. Um, so that's lifted, but it's not yet salaries for athletes, but that's coming because they've also passed the, there's also been a rule passed around the athlete themselves being able to monetize their name and likeness, you know, like oh, I'm in a, co- I'm in a college town in North Carolina. Well, the local car dealership can like use my name and face on their ads and I can make money from it. Um, you know, things like that. That's, that's what's coming. So I think there's definitely a big opportunity there uh, just in general. Yeah. So, so future, here we future are contracts talking about future contracts. Yeah. I'm on board. I think it's great. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't have anything else to say except great. Last Let's topic. I want to give you some predictions. Um, right. So I've been thinking about this and I think you're bold for doing this, by the way, you're making it very easy to look stupid. Well, that's the beauty of predictions. It's like a, uh, you know, the best predictions, I think most predictions, even you're wrong, people forget, unless you're Scott Galloway, uh, you know, when you're small, when you're small, you should make predictions because uh, the cost of being wrong is very low, but the cost of being right, all of a sudden you're the guy who called it, um, you know, like, it's like my clubhouse thread, like, as that gets proven right, then it'll be like, oh, he called it. But if I was already big, then if I was wrong, it would be like, kind of like everybody would be waiting to rub it in my face. Um, okay, so let me get, let me run you through. What I think the next... Um, when did you come up with these? Is this like some Twitter thread you're going to do? Yeah, I am going to do it as a thread. But I was just one day... So I could see the timestamp on this. 11.27 p.m. So this is the type of shit I think about at midnight. Um, and I started typing on my phone. And I said, I said, okay, what's Apple becoming? Because I see Apple. Apple's shifting into like health in a pretty big way with these like wearable devices. And so let's just say Apple which today the core benefit is they give you this ultra personal device. You're a little personal supercomputer that's going to help you with life. So I don't think the next Apple is a phone company. I think the next Apple, the next Apple, which is going to be a trillion dollar company that has, uh, that gives you kind of like a, a consumer device. I think it's going to be a healthcare monitor. I think it's going to be something that is going to be measuring what's going on inside your body and feeding that data back to you. Agreed. And so that's my that's my prediction. The next what the next Apple looks like, not a phone company, healthcare monitoring device. Next Facebook. Okay, Facebook today, people think Facebook is an app, it's a social network, it's where you go right on a news feed or you post photos. I think Facebook, the core of Facebook, the guts of Facebook is basically cameras. It's content sharing. So it's basically photo taking or video taking and sharing with people who you care who you want to share that stuff with. And that's why Instagram is something they own, WhatsApp, et cetera, et cetera. 
And um, so I think the next Facebook is not going to be an app. It's not going to be another social network. It's going to be some kind of hands-free, always on camera. So it's going to be something you wear, either glasses or a lapel or some, a fucking drone that's floating above you at all times. I don't know what it is. Probably glasses because it's at your eye level. And it's going to be basically like a super memory. So it's going to let you capture photos and videos of whatever you're looking at, hands-free and instantaneously. And then once you've captured it, be able to share that or save that as like a super memory for yourself or with any friends. And so I think anybody who's trying to create the next Facebook, you're not creating an app where you add friends, you should be creating a hands-free camera that makes it way easier to capture content and you'll bypass Facebook altogether because that cap- that place where you capture content uh, will just be for sharing. Similar to the way Snapchat attacked Facebook. Snapchat made an app that when you open it, the camera's on right away and you take the photo first and then you just share that photo with somebody. So they skipped the whole Facebook process. So I think that's what the next Facebook is a hands-free, always on camera. Next, Amazon. This one's stolen from uh, Mark Laurie. Next, Amazon. So Amazon, a place to shop. It's not going to be a website where you uh, where you type in a word and then you get 5,000 images as a result and then you got to sort through them. The next Amazon is conversational shopping in your house. It's just saying what you need and having something go get it for you. Um, so basically, it's just saying, hey, uh, we need more pee pads for the dog. And it says, you want the same ones as last time? I say yes. And then it's boom, it's ordered right? I didn't have to type anything in, didn't have to enter a credit card. It's all on file. And it's just a hands-free voice assistant that helps me shop for things. And when I don't know what it is, it could say, I could say, Hey, um, I need a, you know, the best camera for my webcam. And it could say something like, do you want the ones that most of the YouTubers use? Do you want the ones your friends bought the most? Or do you want the one that's the best value or the highest price? And I'm like, ah, what do my friends have? Sam has this one. Would you like to uh, ask him how it is? Yes. It asks Sam and then Sam says, it's amazing. And then I buy the thing, right? Conversational commerce, something like that. That's the future. That's the next Amazon. Next Netflix. Okay. Netflix. Wait, you skipped over 7-Eleven. Oh, I'm going to do 7-Eleven too. Okay. 7-Eleven. The next 7-Eleven, what is 7-Eleven? It's a corner store that has like, it's a little local convenience store. This one's easy. This one is, um, it's a cloud corner store. So you don't need a a real location. It's just going to be 500 square feet. That's within one mile of you. It might be in this back alley place. It doesn't need a good location and it's going to deliver to you with small lightweight drones. So small little pass, a small little carrier drone going to bring you something within 15 minutes of ordering. No human being involved. And the whole, the whole 500 square foot place doesn't need good real estate and is going to be automated so that, um, you know, when I push the button to order it, there's no human being in the place. It just pops out like a vending machine. The drone takes it straight to me and it lands on a little landing pad that I have in my front lawn for uh, drone deliveries. And as soon as it's there, I go outside, I pick it up. Okay. And then uh, keep going. I'm just listening. I think this is fascinating. I'm, I'm going to, I'm taking notes. I'm going to tweet this just like as you're talking. So I'm going to steal your cloud. <laughs> you're steal my thread. Okay, great. Um, all right. The next Netflix, Net, ne- next Netflix, I think is going to be um, one of two things. One is it's either in VR and it's more like it's a hybrid. It feels like a game. So you put the headset on, you enter the world and then you walk around and you sort of experience a movie. Um, So it's either VR or, or, because I think I'm not sure about that one, um, or it's machine generated movies, which is basically something personalized to you. So right now a movie is like a really specific story that gets filmed, edited, produced, has actors, blah, blah, blah. I think you might be able to just sit down and be like, I want something that's like Breaking Bad, but with casinos. And then it just ah, generates, cool. it just machine generates a, a movie for you uh, based off of basically it's like a mashup. And you've seen this with music. So Google releases this thing called Composer or whatever. 
It's like this AI that basically writes classical music that sounds like it's made by Bach and Mozart. And, um, and it's basically just, it's just taking all the stuff that exists out there. It studies it. And then it creates remixes and mashups of all those things in a way that's maybe it could be one time. It's like, I get this thing and it's like a one-time movie for me. Um, that could be kind of crazy. Do you remember that band? Remember that band girl talk? Yeah. Mashups. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I used to love those things, man. I, lo- I still work out to that. That's my go-to for workouts. Same. I love that too. It was like feed the animal or something like that. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a great track. Yeah. Um, I love that shit. I'm on board. So similarly, uh, the next Pornhub is not a website you go to and you see a bunch of like pre-made porn movies. I think it's all deep fakes. So I think you just go in there and you just have a fantasy. So you put on your VR device and you just think of something you want to see. You think, oh, uh, Mila Kunis, um, she's my waitress. Go. And like it basically deep fakes a porno uh, for you with Mila Kunis's face on it. If you don't know what a deep fake is, it's a... Um, it's a computer generated movie where the, like the actor on the screen was never there. Like it'll make Obama look like Obama's, you can make Obama go to a baseball game and pee in the crowd. Right. Because, uh, it could just take Dude, any which, by video the way, like that and put Obama's head on it. It looks real. That That's why it's scary. It, it's yeah, scary. Deepfakes are scary. Uh, for many reasons, you're not going to be able to trust video anymore because I agree. Video can be faked just like any photo can be Photoshopped. Any video can be video shopped now. Um, all right, last one. Uh, the next Domino's. So the next pizza company is going to be a fleet of self-driving cars that are just going around that have an oven baked in the tr- in the trunk. So um, your food is going to be baked fresh. It's going to arrive to you with a driverless car, and you're going to hop out. Uh, you're going to come out to the front. You're going to meet the car, uh, and the, it's going to pop up in the trunk. And there's going to be a pizza that was baked during the drive time for you. Um, Basically, some- like a like a like a mobile food truck type, or like a food truck that. Which, by the way, when our An friend Goggin, our our friend Goggin launched this company called Sprig. I think it was only in San Francisco, or maybe San Francisco and Chicago, and he raised sixty million dollars. All this money, he launched it early though, two thousand fourteen, and that was what he goes. He goes, I want to have ovens in the car. That's the future, and I actually think he was right. I just think that it was a little early. Totally true. Uh, this guy David Langer, he started Zesty. It was like a f- food catering company that was like super fast growing at a time. And I asked him, I go, oh yeah, what do, what do you think of what do you think of food delivery? It seems hot. He goes, he just jumped straight to the end. He goes, yeah, the the end the end answer is cars with ovens in the trunk. Um, it's really the only solution that's going to work. Like at mass, that will replace like kind of like the whole uh, infrastructure that exists today is when you can get the food to be baked in the car and kept hot in the car and ready hot coming out of the car. And uh, when you do that. There's, it also reduces the delivery time because you're not going to a, a brick and mortar place, loading the food into the car and then driving to a place. You're just constantly circling around an area. And as you get an order, you pop the thing into bake. And then when it's ready, you're at the door. So there was zero lag time. So deliveries get faster and fresher. So this is my segment of basically Sean time travels to the future. Because if you think about it, right, I'm born in 1988, not that long ago. 88 to like, 96 or 97 like i remember that time michael jordan was like winning championships during that time there was for the average person there was no internet or we were just doing just getting like aol chat rooms and shit like that right i was putting aol cds into the computer that was in my computer room because the house had one computer right and yeah we all had computer rooms remember that computer rooms exactly and so then like that sort of changed over time it's like oh computer rooms become laptops laptops become phones Phones have freaking like HD video streaming live, you know, basketball games from the internet now to my phone. And I'm watching that while I'm in my car. 
like that seemed absurd. I remember actually even the first time I saw someone reading on their phone and I used to have like a Nokia, you know, like the old phone that had snake on it. And I was just like, what reading on your phone, who would want to do that? Like the text is so small and so shitty. Like who would ever watch a video on their phone? Or who could type? Who could like, yeah. this is when they just had nine so or slow. 10, 10, 10 buttons and you had to like click three times to yeah, get the, uh, their letter. Yeah. What was that thing called? Or you had to like, uh, it's like smarter text or some shit like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. Yeah. It and called. it would autofill. Yeah. I was like, but that seems so far fetched. And that was in, that was not that long ago. Like I was just like, that was like 20 years ago. And so in 20 years, like kind of some amazing things have happened. And so if I fast forward 20 years, these things that today sound far-fetched, it's like, that's going to happen because it's the consumer benefit is there. Uh, you know, if the delivery is faster and fresher, people are going to do that, right? If, if shopping gets easier and I don't have to search and read and be at a computer, I just say what I want when I want it and I get it. Like, in, you know, I get it in less than an hour. That was the part I forgot to say. It was that prime two-day delivery is going to seem like incredibly slow, like Ordering everything from Amazon is going to be just as fast today as today. Ordering DoorDash is going to be. So it'll be here in 45 minutes. Oh, you need an HDMI cable? Here, push this button. It's here in 40 minutes, delivered via drone. And so, um, yeah, I think that's what the future looks like. So that's my time traveler section. What do you think? Which one did you think I was most on or off about? You're, I think you're most on about Apple. I think you're most off on... So I gave you Facebook, the hands-free camera, always I'm on I'm looking camera. at it now. Yeah, I have all the notes. I think you're on about Apple. I think Amazon, you're not totally right. Facebook was, um, what was Facebook? The hands-free, always on camera. Instant capture of anything that's going on in your world. You don't need yeah, to- Yeah, I think you're I wrong, actually, about that. Capture. I, I think there's a world where we go in reverse and we get less tech-driven and people want less contact with people. I think I think it could go the other way. So I think you're wrong about that. I think you're totally right about Apple. Uh, 7-Eleven, I think you're right. Netflix, I actually think you're right. Pornhub, I think you're right. Domino's, I think you're right. I think I'm right on all of them, bro. I think I got them all right. It's just a question. The the great quote is, don't confuse a clear view for a short distance. I love that quote. That's like one of my... What's that mean? Like, imagine you see something on the... You're driving, you see something on the horizon. It's like, oh, there it is. It's just because you see it doesn't mean you're near it, right? Objects in the front view are, are maybe further than they than they appear. And that's what often happens with the future is you can kind of see what the world's going to do and what it's going to look like, but you overestimate how soon it's going to come and then you get sort of disillusioned. And then eventually it well, does show up, you know? I think, it, I think it'll be capable of that. I think the thing is, is what I've learned reading history is that it typically repeats itself. Or right. it, like what's what's old becomes new and what's new becomes old and, and it goes back and forth. And when we were now that, you know, people our age and young, a little bit younger are always connected. I think it's going to go the opposite that they're going to be one. They're going to want a less connection. Right. You know, that's why motels like motels in America are booming right now because it's like nostalgia and it's interesting again. And so I do, I, I do think that the, the pendulum does swing, but um I don't know. I think both happen at the same time. I think that um, the world I gets more on demand and more digital, and then people crave physical experiences, and both exist at the same time. Uh, it's sort of like the Clearview short distance thing. A great example of this is like Webvan, you know, year 2000. It's like, oh, grocery delivery online. What if you could buy your groceries online instead of through a store? And then it like gets all this hype, and then it crashes. And then for like 20 years, nobody, nobody really touches this. Nobody really tries this again. And then... Um, and then here we are with Instacart as a multi-billion dollar company taking that same idea, but putting it in a fresh way with new tech tools and technology like mobile phones. Yeah, I, 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 I'm on board with a lot of that. 
All right. Um, we should call it here. <laughs> and uh, yeah. All right. That's the end of the episode. Uh huh. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I can be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like-